0: Welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church online worship service. Today, you'll hear the Word of God read, the message from this weekend's in-person service, and two songs to
1: guide you in worship. Thanks for joining us today. So last week, I think I told you all our heater was broken at our house on like the coldest weekend of the year. Um, a lot of you offered to help and thank you for that. Um, that was very appreciated. But my wife actually fixed it. Um, yeah, she's, she's much handier than I am. Like, yeah, yeah. She's much handier, much more useful than I am. Um, and it took us four days to figure out that we just needed to change the filter. So we spent four days in the freezing cold and it took about half hour to fix it. Yeah, so that's a, that's a day in the life in the Sour Home, everyone. Um, But thank you all for the offers for help. That was very appreciated. So we are in this sermon series entitled Truly Natural. And this sermon series is focused on the stories of Jesus's healings in the gospel of Mark. And the idea comes from a theologian named Jürgen Moltmann. And he has this quote where he, he said that Jesus's healings and his miracles are not supernatural events in a natural world. They're the only truly natural events in a world that is unnatural and demonic. I I paraphrased it there, but that's the basic idea. When we look to Jesus's miracles, when we look to his healings, when we look to how Jesus is going around making the world right, it shows us what God intended for the world. But not just what God intended, it shows us how God is going to restore the world, how the world is supposed to actually look. So, tonight we're focused on the ways in which Jesus performed spiritual healing. I'm going to read from Mark chapter 9, um, verses 14 through 29. It's a rather long passage, so bear with me here. When they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. When the whole crowd saw him, they were immediately overcome with awe, and they ran forward to greet him. He asked them, what are you arguing about with them? Someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought to you my son. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak, and whenever it seizes him, it dashes him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they could not do so. Jesus answered them, You faithless generation, how much longer must I be among you? How much longer must I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. When the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. It is often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you are able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you are able, all things can be done for the one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you spirit that keeps this boy from speaking and hearing, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. After crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse so that most of them said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he was able to stand. When he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? He said to them, this kind can come out only through prayer. Please pray with me. Lord, We thank you. We thank you for the ways in which you went about this world in your earthly ministry healing. We thank you for the hope that those stories give us. We thank you for the hope that the reality of your healing gives us, for the truth of your healing, Lord. We thank you for the hope that it gives us. And Lord, we ask that you speak to us now through this story of this boy and his father. Speak to us now so that we could see your healing in our world now. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So as I said before I read that passage, this is a passage that's about a spiritual healing. It's actually, I think there's two different types of spiritual sickness that are addressed here. But one question for me, whenever I hear the term spiritual healing or spiritual health is, what in the world is that? What is spiritual health? One of the things that, Presbyterian pastors do, and I've mentioned this a couple times now, when we're becoming ordained is we do this chaplaincy in a hospital where we go from room to room in a hospital, spending time with people who are severely sick. And then while you're doing that, you do this training where you learn how to care for people's spiritual health. And I did this for months. We all have to do it, but I'm going to confess something to you all. Pretty much the entire time I was doing this, We were talking about spiritual health and like restoring people's spiritual health, and I had no idea what anybody was actually talking about. I just didn't know exactly what that term means, what it meant. And I thought it was just me for for a couple of months. I just thought I'm ignorant, you know, fake it till you make it, act like you know what everybody else is talking about. I kind of just did that. And after a couple months, I thought, maybe I should try to look this up. And the thing is, after looking it up a little more closely... I think I realized something. It wasn't me. Nobody knows what that term means. At least they don't know what other people mean when they say it. Because when I tried to find a definition, I found dozens of definitions of spiritual healing. And let me just read some of these to you. One definition of of spiritual health was when you feel at peace with life, it sounds nice. That sounds pleasant. However, There's a lot of things in life we shouldn't be at peace with. If you are not at peace with suffering in the world or injustice in the world, does that mean that you're not spiritually healthy? There are some things that we shouldn't be at peace with in a broken world. Another definition was a dimension of human wellness that integrates all dimensions of health, physical, emotional, mental, and social. Sounds great. The main idea there is integration, that we're, we're whole, but what happens if you're a chronically ill person physically and you can't integrate that well? Or what happens if you suffer from a mental illness? Does that mean that you can never be spiritually healthy? I don't think so. Um, another definition. Anything that relates to the health and wellness of a person's spirit. Okay, and this one's so annoying. You can't define spiritual health with the word spirit because what in the world is a spirit then? How are you using that term? It's a definition that begs the question, doesn't actually answer what is this talking about? And then another one and this last one I'll mention here, it says spiritual health is a purposeful life, transcendence and actualization of different dimensions and capacities of human beings. That means nothing. That's just a string of words that somebody felt happy about and they put them together and said, this is spiritual health. But that's the thing with this term spiritual health. I don't know if any of us understands what the other people are talking about when it's brought up. When we talk about a spiritual healing, what exactly is going on there? What does spiritual health look like? It's really tough to nail that down. But I think a couple of just starting points for us who are Christians is that you can't have a definition of spiritual health that isn't rooted in the Holy Spirit. Whatever human spirits we have, and people will debate what a spirit actually is in a human. It's another term that's not easy to understand, but what we do know is that there is a Holy Spirit, and we can look to the signs of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, and we can see what it looks like, the the signs of somebody who is spiritually healthy. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, self-control. Any definition that we have has to be rooted in the Holy Spirit for spiritual health. The Apostle Paul also in Romans chapter 15, 13, he says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's the other thing with spiritual health. I don't think it's easiest to try to define it. I think it's easiest to try to point to the signs of it, the fruits of the spirit that I just mentioned, but also belief, hope, the hope that is sustained, the hope that we have in Jesus. To me, the signs of spiritual health are easier to point to and to see than a definition of it. But the signs of spiritual sickness, I think, can be easier to see also like I said, this story in the gospel of Mark here, I think it has two different kinds of spiritual sickness that are being addressed. The the first of these, you see clearly in this boy. Remember the story, Jesus comes up and there's a big debate happening. Everybody's arguing. And he says, what are you arguing about? And nobody really answers that directly, but a man comes forward to him and says, my boy has this unclean spirit. And it's not letting him talk. It's not letting him interact. And it throws him in the fire and it's trying to harm my son. And he says, your disciples, I asked them to take care of it and they couldn't take care of it. I think it's pretty clear that we can look at this boy and say there's spiritual unhealth here. There's a spiritual sickness. There's this unclean spirit that is tormenting this child. In the gospel of Mark, it assumes a reality of the world where there's cosmic forces that we can't see, where there's a spiritual realm and a battle is taking place. When Jesus enters into the scene in the gospel of Mark, demons have a pretty strong foothold. But part of Jesus's mission is to cast them out, to banish them, to have authority over them, to force the forces of evil out of this world. That's just the worldview of the gospel of Mark. And the gospel of Mark has a lot more exorcisms and spiritual healings than the other gospels do. This gospel focuses on this aspect of Jesus' ministry more. So I do think that this is a type of spiritual sickness that Jesus addresses. And it raises the question for us, does that happen today? Does that happen in today's world? Are there unclean spirits that are still interacting today? My definitive, clear answer to you is, I don't know. I hear stories. I've never experienced anything myself. I have people that I trust who say they've seen things. I've never seen anything directly though. I don't know. I do think that there's things that we don't understand in this world. And I do think that Jesus was casting out spirits when he was doing his ministry. But the important thing to realize is that whether or not you think that happens in today's world or it doesn't, Jesus is in full authority throughout the gospel of Mark. In this gospel, there's this battle taking place, but it's not a battle between two equal sides. Jesus has control. All the unclean spirits that he comes across, they're terrified of him. They're begging him not to torment them. They're begging him not to torture them. He has authority. He has control. And the main point of the gospel of Mark is Jesus wins and he casts out evil from the world. We're still waiting to see the full effects of that today. But recognize that most of our ideas about unclean spirits or or demons or any of that stuff, most of our ideas don't really come from the scriptures. They come from medieval mythology or The Exorcist or some other bad movie that you've seen. In reality, in the Gospels, the main point of these unclean spirits is to recognize Jesus has full control and authority over evil. That's the truth that you rest in. So Jesus, he addresses that kind of spiritual sickness here. But the thing is, even if you're somebody who believes that demon possessions take place and you, and you see that happening in the world or you have an experience where you, you think you witnessed that or you did witness that, even if that's where you're coming from, that's still very rare. It's not a common occurrence because there's a lot more people who say they don't see that than people who say they do. And the other type of spiritual sickness that I think this passage addresses is much more common. Remember I said that the fruit of the spirits and those signs of the spirit, that's our indicators of spiritual health. And the Apostle Paul makes it really clear that the Holy Spirit is the one who instills belief and hope in us. So when people don't believe, when people are hopeless, that's spiritual sickness in my mind. And that to me is so common in today's world. The Father comes to Jesus and says that line that I just love. I I believe, help my unbelief. Unbelief is a sickness, when belief starts to fade away, when hope starts to fade away, that is spiritual sickness. And I think all of us, we know people who have walked away from faith. We know people who are living without hope. To me, the ultimate spiritual sickness that I see in the world, the biggest problem related to the human spirit is despair. And despair is... The complete and total lack of hope. Despair to me is the ultimate spiritual sickness. And it breaks my heart because I think any of us can think of people who have fallen into despair. We can think of people who have lost hope. We can think of people who don't have any sense of what God is doing in the world, what God is doing in their lives. but Jesus wants to heal that also. Jesus responds to this father who admits his unbelief, who asks for Jesus' help by healing his son, by taking care of both spiritual sicknesses in one fell swoop. In one action, Jesus addresses both the son's issues and the unbelief of the father. Jesus wants to give people hope. And Jesus, I believe, established the church for the sole purpose of spreading the hope that we have. That's why we're Christians. That's why we're here in this world. You could think that Christian faith, being a Christian means any number of things. But if at the center of your idea of what being a Christian is, if at the center of it is something besides hope in the resurrection of Jesus and hope in the resurrection to come, That's not what the Bible is talking about when it talks about Christian faith. Hope is at the center of everything that we do, and hope is the antidote to despair, and it's the antidote to spiritual sickness. Jesus calls us to come alongside his work and help people to have that hope. Hope that God is actually restoring this world. Hope that death doesn't win, that the people that we lose, the people that we say goodbye to, we will see them again. Hope that this world will not be full of suffering and brokenness that it is full of today. That hope is what defines us as Christians. And that hope is what God uses to help people who are in despair. So I just said a few minutes ago, each of us, I think, can think of different people that we know that have walked away from faith or people that never had faith, never had belief, or people that don't have hope in general, people who are living in despair. Notice that at the end of this passage, Jesus says, this type of unclean spirit can only come out through prayer. During this season of Lent, we're focusing on praying. And in a moment here, we're going to enter into a time of prayer that Pastor Jonathan is going to lead us through. Think about whoever God brings to mind for you and pray for that person, lift them up to God. And remember, if you have hope in Jesus, you have God's antidote to the despair that we see in the world. Ask God to help you share that. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for your healing. We thank you for the way you healed this boy. You healed his father, Lord. We thank you for the way that you healed them. You established their hope. We know that your Holy Spirit establishes hope inside of us, Lord. So Lord, guide us. Help us know how we can share the hope that we have with others. We thank you. and It's in your name we pray. Amen.
0: From wherever you've been Come brokenhearted Let rescue begin Come find your mercy O oh, sinner, come near. Earth has no sorrow That heaven can't heal No, earth has no sorrow That heaven can't heal Lay down your birth Lift up your face Come sit at the table, come taste the grace, there's rest for the weary, and rest that endures, earth has no sorrow that heaven can't cure. sinner be still. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can heal. No earth has no sorrow that heaven can heal.